0: Thank you for joining us for the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. And remember, if you are ever in our area, please stop by. We'll make you feel right at home. Now, let's join Pastor George Logan for today's message.
1: We've been talking about the power of righteousness, the power of of righteousness. And righteousness is, a, I think, a very misunderstood word. Um, we don't understand righteousness because uh, most of the time when we think of righteousness, we think about the latter part of righteousness, which means the acts of righteousness, the fruits of righteousness. And we judge ourselves according to the, the fruit or the works that we do as opposed to our positional righteousness, which is in Christ Jesus. And uh, so it's important for us to understand exactly what this good news is. Uh, when in, um, Our foundational scripture is found in um, Romans chapter uh, 8 and verse 1. It says, There is therefore now, and that's a big word, now, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. So it's real easy when we don't take God at His word Uh, Even if we we are living a good life, if we don't take God at his word, we're really living in the flesh. We're using human reasoning to decide whether or not we are what he says we are. And sometimes our feelings get involved there and we don't feel right. We don't feel righteous. And when we don't feel righteous, um, we begin to doubt that he said that we are the righteous ones in Christ Jesus. So it's important for us to understand what does that mean to That there is now no condemnation. That word condemnation means no pronouncement of judgment. That there is absolutely no pronouncement of a judgment against those who are in Christ Jesus. So as long as we are clothed in Christ, no one can pronounce a judgment on us. Now I don't know if that's liberating to your mind or not, or if you've gotten a full revelation of what that means. It means that no one can ever unjustify you. No one can ever take justice from you. It is a pronouncement. You are declared that way. We are now, right now in this very moment, we are walking, those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we're walking free of any judgment, any condemnation uh, whatsoever. So um, if you can look at it this way, if you were to go into court today and um, and let's say that you did, to, maybe you did um, Run the, the, the stoplight. Maybe, maybe you did that, but let's just say that, that it was not counted against you, that there was no, you didn't get a pronouncement of a judgment on that. And let's say when you walked out of the courthouse and you've been pronounced declared just or declared righteous, um, uh, declared innocent, and they started yelling at you, they started petitioning, He's guilty, he's guilty, he's guilty. He's guilty. Does that stop you? Does that move you in the least bit? I mean, it might get to your feelings a little bit, but is it going to make you go back into court and tell the judge, oh, I'm sorry, I really am guilty. Um, I'm just going to. And then for the rest of your days, act like it. No, I don't think any of us are going to go back out. I've not seen anyone do that. You know, you watch the shows, you know, if you watch any of the, uh, the shows where people go to court and they get a pronouncement of innocence. I haven't seen not one person yet go back in the court and say, no, you got this wrong, judge. I'm going back in. I'm not going to receive this this, uh, not guilty verdict. No, it doesn't happen that way. And once it's done, it doesn't matter what anyone else says about you, even what you say about yourself. It's what the authority says about you. And so we have the supremest of all supreme authority. God, who makes a pronouncement on us, and that pronouncement is not guilty, not guilty. Now, all of us have histories before we come to God, don't we? We all have a history, we all have some things that we're not so, um, you know, we don't want nobody else to know, I'll just say it that way. And we have those histories, we have those kinds of things, uh, and, and some of the times what the enemy's job is to keep us reminded of those things. He doesn't want us to be reminded of the not guilty. He doesn't want us to be reminded we are no longer uh, guilty before the high court of God. Uh, He wants us to continue to live in constant state of guilt and shame and all that that brings. And when we do that, um, there's one thing about shame and guilt and condemnation. If you don't do something with it, excuse me, if you don't do something um, with it, uh, then it will eat you to pieces. So everyone, everyone, everyone does something with their sin. Even when the something that they do doesn't, isn't, doesn't really work. They constantly are working on that. So when that happens, and, and if I can go over a few more things, sin consciousness or consciousness of sin causes us to continuously labor, labor for dominance labor to hide or conceal, labor for innocence, labor for equality, labor for superiority. That's why we are here in our country as we are today is because there is that that I've got to because I've got I'm either dealing with sin, guilt, and so we're we're constantly trying to suppress those feelings of guilt, suppress those feelings of shame. And what we do is in order to get rid of my guilt, I got to put you down. I've got to dominate you. I I need someone that I can feel better than. The only thing about that is I've got to constantly feed that to myself. It's never a consistent thing. I've got to constantly feed my insecurities. I've got to feed my sin consciousness. I've got to daily get rid of it. That's why when we look in Hebrews chapter 10, and we'll get there eventually uh, in teaching, it says that the sacrifices could never, ever make those people free from a consciousness of sin. The sacrifice of bulls and goats, it's speaking of, could never free the people of their sin, their evil consciousness. And neither can anything that we do today. I don't care what it is, it will never free us from a consciousness of sin. And so many times, even when we're we're dealing with, uh, with injustice, Sometimes the motivation behind dealing with the injustice is to ease my sinful soul. Like I'm out here, I'm doing this because I feel so guilty. I feel so much shame. I feel so condemned. And therefore, if I just go out here and do a little bit of this or write about this or write about that or do that, then I can ease my conscience. But it doesn't work that way the only remedy for a sin consciousness is the finished work of Jesus Christ and then when we have that as the solution we can go back and go to the wounds we can go back and speak to and and and, and add salve to and, and 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 minister or call bring medicine to it you can't you can't get rid of it because the wound is not in our spirit anymore after we're born again. The wound is now in our soul. We're no longer separated from God, but we do have a wound, as it were. Our, our soul needs to be saved. Our soul has been traumatized. Our soul has gone through a whole lot of things. And and the, the thing about where we are today is that the trauma for many of us, really, to be honest, all of us, because we're interconnected, whether you're white, whether you're black, it doesn't matter, you're interconnected in the trauma. So there is trauma that has been done to all of you. There was trauma to that little kid who's looking up at a tree limb with a black man hanging from it. And they're just a little kid. They're just a little kid at a Sunday picnic with Sunday clothes on. You can't tell me that child has not been traumatized. You can't tell me that's a wound to the soul. Just the same way as the person or the family that that trauma has happened to. So we've all been traumatized. We've all dealing with some, a sin sick soul. That's why the Bible says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's talking about work out your soul, work out your mind. Paul says it like this in the book of Romans. He says, what I want to do, I don't do the things that I don't do. Those are the things that I want to do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? Well, he knows, he's, he's ministered on the spirit man. So he can't be talking about the spirit, man. He's talking about the soul of man. Who will remedy this? Who will give me liberation from these thoughts that I had? Who will free me up so that I won't have to continually feed my guilt or have to uh, 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 always work on and feel guilty and condemned all the time? A condemned person talks, walks, lives, acts like a condemned person. But a person who's been set free talks, lives, acts solely different, completely different. So we're all kind of having to work those things out. We're working out trauma on both sides. We're working out who we are on both sides. So when Paul says in uh, Romans chapter 12, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believeth. For in that gospel is a way to righteousness, In that gospel is a way in which we become or know how to become or be made right with God. That's a big thing. That's a huge thing. How do I become right with God? The supreme being. The judge of all the earth. How do I become right with him? And it's the cry, listen, it is the cry of all humanity. It's how do I become right with God? Romans 1 tells us like this. He says, he says, what can be known of God, what can be known of God is there. You can, you can witness it through creation. He said, but they suppress the truth in their unrighteousness. They hold it down. They keep it down in their unrighteousness. Truth is out there. The revelation of God can be actually be seen even through creation. There's an indicator that there's somebody bigger than me out there. And that someone that is bigger than us is begging us please allow me to make you right. Allow me to, to, to get rid... Let, let me give you the big break. I, I woke up this morning, and that's what was on my mind. Uh, it's like God has given us a big break. Humongous break. Because otherwise, we'd have to live with guilt all of our lives. All of our lives. would have to live with all of this. And, and listen... I don't care if you're white, I don't care if you're black, I don't care if you're polka dotted, I don't care if you're yellow, red, green. We all have guilt. We all have had guilt. We've all done things that we're not proud of, that we are ashamed of even. And if we just stop right now and said, okay, everywhere, right now, I want you to tell us, everybody, your worst thing you've ever done. Number one, that would vacate this building. Because nobody wants to tell all of that, right? No one wants to tell all of that. But all of us know in our humanity, all of us know we do have a story like that. Right? I mean, all of us have a story that we don't want nobody else to know. And so what do we do with that? How do we handle Things that man was never meant to have to carry. Adam and Eve were never supposed to carry guilt. Adam and Eve were never supposed to carry shame. They were never supposed to be able to, to be afraid to come into the presence of God. In the very beginning, it tells us, you know, Adam said um, um, when God showed up and they had already uh, been disobedient, and uh, uh, Adam, Adam hid. And God said, Why are you hiding? That's not our relationship. That's not how we roll. That's not how we live together. I talked to you in the, in the cool of the day. I, I talked, We've been talking for the longest. I, I made you and I, I gave you your wife. And, and we had it going on like that. We, we were free that way. Why are you hiding from me now? And Adam said, because I'm naked. And he said, who told you? Who, who brought you into a consciousness of your nakedness? Who made you sin conscious? It was his sin that made him sin conscious. It was his disobedience that made him sin conscious. And he passed that alone to his sons, uh, Cain and Abel. And what did they do? Out of that same sense of sin consciousness, Cain slew Abel. He was trying to get rid of guilt He's trying to get rid of inferiority. He felt inferior. Well, look, Abel's done this, and look at me. Look at, look at me now. Well, if there's only one of us, they have to only look at me. And he slew Abel. And he thought it would get rid of his sin consciousness. No, it just compounded it. So we all have to do something with it. It's, it's just embedded in us. We don't handle sin consciousness Well, we got to have something to deal with sin. And God, in his wonderful, majestic, and all-powerful way, has given us a way in which we're able to deal with sin. Actually, not only deal with it, don't even have to deal with it no more. He has a way to get it out completely so there's no longer even a consideration anymore. So listen to this. Listen to these scriptures. Again, I want to go back just to touch a little bit on, on what we've talked about already. Because for whatever reason, and I, and I think I know why, but for whatever reason, the revelation of of righteousness is just hard to hang on to. We can get pieces of it but then we go back and we look at ourselves in the mirror and we look at our family lineage and then we look at what I said to somebody at work yesterday and and what I said to somebody on the phone and some of the thoughts that I have and then all of a sudden it slips from us and we begin conscious of sin again. But when we look at Scripture, and we'll get to some other ones later, but the Bible tells us in our beginnings of our relationship with God, he says that he has uh, remitted our sins. Now remission means he sent them away. Like they're gone. It, it, didn't, it doesn't talk about him covering our sins because anything you cover is going to eventually do what? Come back up again, right? You know, you, you, you clean your carpet and you thought you cleaned the spot and then, and then like six weeks later, three weeks later, four weeks, it, the dirt comes seeping back up. What do we do? We just pushed it down, we didn't necessarily get rid of it. But what he has done for us, he has completely gotten rid of sin. He's not in the covering business. He doesn't cover things. They did that in the Old Testament but not in this New Testament. So, so uh, uh, what, is, uh, what is New Testament righteousness? Uh, New Testament means to conform to a standard, conforming to a standard, conforming to God's standard. The ability to stand before God without a feeling of guilt or of inferiority. Now, if you can stand before God without guilt or inferiority, you should sure enough be able to stand before your mankind without a feeling of guilt or inferiority. But those things have ruled us all of our days is guilt and inferiority, superiority, dominance. All of those things have been a part of our our existence uh, forever and a day. So, being conforming to God's standard, we need to know what God's standard is. And we said what that is. It is to absolutely have no sin. So in 1 Corinthians chapter, um, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 5 and verse 21 says this. It says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering of our sin. Definitive, a definite article. He is the offering for our sin or for my sin or for your sin, whoever it may be. So that we could be, big word, that we could be made the righteousness of God. That we could be made the righteousness of God. What is the righteousness of God in a word? Perfection. Who is perfect? Jesus. So when he talks about being made the righteousness of God, he's really saying that we are being made like Jesus. That we are being made like Jesus. See, it's one thing to know that we have legally been made right. Like, like I'm I'm legally. I I have I have legally whatever the the, the legal requirements are, I've been made right legally. But it's a whole nother thing to be made right, like in our total nature, that our nature is now right. Because you can change, you can give someone and, and, and set them free and justify them and make them right legally. But if their nature doesn't change, what are they going to do? They're going to go back and do the very things they did before, right? Right? Because that, their nature hasn't changed. I said this earlier. If, if you, if you uh, declare this, this day, this day, this very day, all dogs are now cats. Every dog in existence, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. You are now a cat. And so uh, let's prove that you're a cat. So a squirrel goes by. Dog said, cat, I no cat. I'm going after that squirrel. And, and, and something on the inside of that dog begins to, or that cat that's been declared a cat, something on the inside of him begins to And he knows he's supposed to meow, but something on the inside of himself. And, And he lets out a big bark. You know why? Because though we have declared him a cat, his nature hasn't been changed yet. And so he still does what? He barks, right? He barks. But let's just say that some kind of supernatural way... Um, that no longer was, not only was there a declaration that you have been made a, a, a dog has been made a cat, but somehow they swooped down and they changed the nature of every dog and made every dog a cat. changed them completely. So now now they 're still thinking like a dog, they 're still thinking like a dog, but, but something on them is compelling them to do what? Meow. Something on the inside of me is like, I know, I, know I'm, I know I'm better. That's what the cat would say. I know I'm better than the dog. I, I just feel compelled. I could feel compelled. I, what, what was that? Was that a, was that a mouse? I don't, well, I don't know why I want to chase that mouse. But something on the inside says that's, that's who I am now. And that's how we began to change our actions slowly but surely. We changed our mind that a dog's been eating, been a dog for a long time. And dogs, man, they just, you know, you got to feed dogs. Dogs aren't going to go out and get it on their own. Cats, they, they go out and, you know, they're they self-sufficient. I'm saying all that to say this, is that God didn't just declare that we are his righteousness. He literally makes us. That's huge. He makes us his righteousness. He makes us his righteousness. That's why we can go back and expect better from our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because we know they have the substance of Christ living on the inside of them. If they didn't, then we couldn't make a demand on them to come up higher. God couldn't say, be ye holy, for I am holy, if they had not holiness on the inside of them. And so we can make a demand, hey, bro. We know what's on the inside of you. You know what's on the inside of me. Do it now. You can do it. it may take a little time, may take a little uh, uh, a little while for you to get to that place, but you can do it. You can get there. It may take a little coaxing, it may take a little little pushing, but you can get there. You can get there. And so listen to this. This is wonderful news. This is so good news. Um, how now the question is to be asked, how do we become right? Listen, that's the question that's being asked right now in our society. That that is the question. That's what that's what white people are asking. That's what black people are asking. That's what Hispanic people are asking, that's what, that's what uh, Asian people are asking, that's what everybody's asking in, our, in, in this particular climate that we're now living in. People are saying, how, okay, how, tell me, how do we become right? How is it? What do I need to do? What, what, what's it going to take for us to be right? Now, if you're, looking, if you're looking, and I talk about this because this is where we are in our society today, and I think surgically it's going to take a little time to do the type of stuff we need to do to get down to the core issues. But now, for 400 years, there's a people group in this nation who has never been treated right, had never been accepted, had never been, have never been truly said, you're okay, without there being a caveat of performance. Like, okay, you're okay if you can sing well. Okay, you're okay if you can dunk a basketball. Okay, you're okay if you can run like the wind. You're okay. You're, you're okay if all of you meet the performance requirements. Otherwise, you're not okay. And if you ever lose that ability, then you're gonna, we're going to put you back into the group. With everyone else. And then the other group is like, you know what? How do we maintain an existence of superiority? Because if, if we some way give in to uh, that everybody's equal and everyone's accepted and everyone is, is made uh, 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 in the image of God, then we're going we're gonna to lose our sense of being completely holy right. That we're going we're gonna to lose our, super, our status of superiority. But don't you know, everyone? Everyone has 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 suffered from the trauma of 400 years of injustice on both sides. Everyone is suffering. Everyone is a little demented up here and needs a little bit of work. The oppressor can no longer. He can He cannot. Um, without keeping, as I can use this, without keeping his knee on the neck, he can, he's not free. He's not free. And sure enough, the one who's got his knee on the neck, whose, neck's, uh, who's, who's, whose knee is on that neck, he's not free. And I think it's such a representation of what we're talking about right now, righteousness or unrighteousness. Let's read another scripture here before we go on in, on that. I don't know just a second service so You always bring out something else listen to this, so as we go on here, um, let's read about Abraham real quick because I think it gives us a good picture of what we're talking about uh, look at look at uh, Rome, uh, excuse me, look at uh, Genesis chapter fifteen and verse six. How do we become right? It's very simple. It's by believing. It's not believing and doing. It's not believing and coming to church. It's not believing and doing right to everyone. It's just simply believing. There's something amazing about just simply believing. Genesis chapter 15 verse 6 says, And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. How did he count him as righteous? Because of his faith, because of believing. He believed. That's all he did. He he just simply believed. And and what did he gain from simply believing? He became the father of many. He went from Abram to Abraham. His descendants received the inheritance of, Of the promised land which we know to be uh, Israel right now but we're also a part of that lineage we we have the same faith or the faith of Abraham so he believed and he was counted righteous what does it mean to be righteous it means to be morally and forensically right morally and forensically right in other words, when God, what God did for Abraham, he said, I'm not only going to say you're legally right, but also I'm going to act as though you've never done anything wrong, like, like you're morally right. That's what he understood by those words. Now, if you look at Romans chapter 4 and verse 1, it, it breaks it down even more. Uh, Romans chapter 4 and verse 1, it says, Abraham was... And let me just say this, the reason Abraham can be included in the New Testament is because he was operating without a covenant, without a law, just like you and I. So it's, it's, it's all right. You couldn't even uh, include uh, some of the prophets in this because they were operating under the, the Mosaic law. But Abraham came like 400 years before the law. And so he, he was more like us than David was because he was operating without any law and it was a credit to him because of his faith. Okay, does that make sense to everyone? So he's more, so Abraham he uses, is being used by Paul here in the New Testament uh, to prove a point. He says, Abraham was humanly speaking the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. Remember, that's what we're talking about. He said, if his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have something to brag about. If his dancing, if his singing, if his acting, if his running, if his jumping, if his working, if his intelligence would have made him right, then he would have had something to brag about. But that was not God's way. But that was not God's way. Say that. You know, say that under your mask. That's not God's way. Thank God. For the scriptures tell us, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. God counted him as morally and forensically right as though he had never done anything wrong because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. Now, this is so important for us to see this here. If your quality to any society is only based on your productivity, then you become expendable. Did you hear me? If your acceptance is wholly based on on your productivity then when you become non-productive you are at that very moment expendable we see it in professional sports all the time guy used to could run fast can't run fast no more he's a half second slower so what do we do we wave him we release him we send him off Because in that that business, you're only as good as your productivity. That should not be the same way within society. But unfortunately, that has been the case. And that's why there's such a nagging, there's such a a rage on the inside. There's such a fear of failure because who's going to bring me, who's going to accept me in? who, who? Who's going who's gonna, to who's gonna love me if I can't perform anymore? Well, Why, why, why do you like me? Well, you, you do a good job uh, for producing for us. Uh, why do we want you in our community? Well, we need somebody to, to, to work at some of these plants around here and, and do that. That's, that's your value to us. Think about that just for a minute. Holy, foundationally, fundamentally, it is about righteousness. It is about righteousness on both ends. How we can bring this thing together? Now, listen here. Oh, let's see. I don't mind. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have. But something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who gives. Who forgives sinners? David also spoke this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. In other words, he's looking, man, this is. There's a day coming when when we're going to be declared righteous and we don't have to work for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Now, is this blessing only for the Jews, or is it also for the uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we have been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of of his faith. But now... But how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised? Or was it before he was circumcised? In other words, he's asked the question, was he counted righteous after he did some work or he performed something? Or was it before? He says clearly God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Don't you wish you had some relationships like that? Don't you wish you had somebody who would just simply accept you, embrace you, love on you, and and, and believe in you, and you hadn't done nothing yet. They just accepted you. They just, just received you and said, you know, I love you despite, I don't care if you ever perform or not, you are in with me. You don't have to have had a education. You don't have to be a certain color skin. You don't have to have a certain intellect. You don't have to have anything. You just are accepted. That's wonderful. That's beautiful. That's a that's an environment that anyone would want to be a part of. I don't care who they are. But if the door is forever shut and you're always okay, um, um, I just I just uh, cut the grass. Can I come in now? Uh, listen, hey, I. I, I not only cut the grass, but I, I actually fertilized it and everything else. Now can I come in? Well, well, well hold up. Uh, guess what? I made, I made the highest grade in all the school. Can I come in now? Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Well, wait a minute. What about this? You see, if someone doesn't have that kind of attitude, there is always, always a, 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 a you-can-come-in-if. You can be a part of if. You see, uh, I, I said this earlier, um, when, when we were in school, all, all of our children um, performed differently in school. I mean, they just different minds, different ways of, of operating in school. Uh, but I remember going to the school one time, Kim and I both, and, and the word was said, uh, you know, uh, we, we, expect, we expect more out of your children. And I'm like, it it just it just didn't settle well. It just didn't hit me in my spirit right. What do you mean? Because they're my children. What if they just are children? What if they're just children? Regardless, it shouldn't be what who their family is and where they came from, and it, it should be just you're a child. And, and, and we just expect from you, because, and we're going to do everything to bring what's in you out. I don't care who's at home. I don't care what kind of conditions you're coming out of. I don't care who your mama or your daddy is. It does, that, none of that stuff matters. You are, are important to me. I accept you. Anytime there is a, some form of a caveat to acceptance, that means it's performance-based. But God doesn't do that. God just says, come on in, come on in. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what kind of rascal you've been. I don't care because I've got the power to change you. All, All I need you to do is to accept what I have done for you, and then you are accepted by me. You just have to believe, and I'm going to change everything about you. Now, it may take a little while because you've been a rascal for a little while, your mind been messed up for a minute. But I accept you. What if if we did that for people? What if we did that? And let me tell you something. We don't want to be guilty of, you know, it's easy to generalize everyone. I could look at at Miss NeNe here and I could say, hmm, she must be one of them. I don't even know her. But because she is a certain color, certain uh, complexion, I could already broad brush and say, I already know her. And I don't, I don't know the, the least bit about her, but I've already determined what she is. And until she proves differently, then that's what she's going to be to me. But that shouldn't be, is it? I should just say, well, praise God. We accept you. God bless you. Come on in. God bless you. Now, now that you're here, we're going to make you better. Right? We're going to make you better. The Word of God is going to make you better. But we're not, we're not giving you, we're not saying that you need to pass a test to get here. We're not going to look at you with a measure and say, Oh, do you measure up or don't you measure up? It's just we accept you. We accept you. And that's what God has given us. Let's look at this a little further. Verse 13 says this: "Clearly God promised, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on His obedience to God's law, but on right relationship with God that comes by faith." How does it come? by faith right relationship with God that comes by faith this is what the scriptures mean when God told him i have made you a father of many nations this happened because abraham believed in god who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing or who calls those things which be not as though they were that is that is the break you know, Miss Judy, you asked me earlier, what's the name of it? I told her part three. She always nagging me about, what's, what's the service? What's, what's, the, what's, in the, what's the title today, Pastor? And I told her part three. But if there is another title to it, you can say the big break. The big break. Like all of us, all of us need the big break, don't we? We need someone to say, okay, you are, are, you are here, but I'm about to take you vertically to here. You know what I'm saying? In other words, a vertical leap. As opposed to, I'm coming up the rough side of the mountain. <laughs> and boy, I mean, that's a rough side. You don't ever get there. It's like, you're just, oh my God! No, what God wants to do is he wants to take us from here to here, like immediately. That's what he does through acceptance, is he takes us from here, old oh sinner, old oh worm on the ground, and he takes us from there to here immediately, like, like that. And then he begins to work out our sanctification. He sets us apart and then he begins to work it out in us day by day by day we begin to be more and more like him because it just takes a long time to get this mind renewed and get it changed, get it transformed. But at least acknowledge it. At least acknowledge you got some some damaged goods up there, right? And what shame does and guilt does, it doesn't allow you to go and examine the damage. Oh no, we don't we don't have no damage. We we we're not good. Well, what is that crack going up your wall? That crack didn't just come here. There's a foundational damage somewhere. Well, we can cover that, that, found, we can cover that crack, but you can't fix the problem. It's going to show up somewhere else. So what God does, he fixes us in our core, and then he goes back and says, now you can deal with it. Without shame and without guilt, but you got to go there. It's not going to be done unless you admit there's some work that needs to be done in your soul. And that's all we're really asking, all of us, both sides, you know, don't, don't tell me you don't have some issues. Don't give me that. I'm letting you know I got some issues. And guess what? You got some issues. So guess what? In a holistic way, I don't have to run from it. I can say now I got the solution. It's called the word of God. It's called the renewing of the mind. But you got to start somewhere through acknowledgement. And you can acknowledge it when you know the core of your being is right with God. Let's look at some more scriptures. And then we'll we'll be done in just a few minutes. Look at this, Romans chapter 3 and verse 20. Let's read this. For no one can ever be made, everybody say made. No one can ever be made right with God by doing the law, what the law commands. Is that, is that, do we need to even expound on that? Is that pretty simple? It just says it. It says, no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Even though that's what we've been mostly used to, is doing the law. And it tells us plainly here, you cannot be made right by doing the law. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made. Everybody say made. Made. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Christ Jesus. We conform to the, the standard of God by putting our, our faith in Christ We are the perfection of God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. This is true for everyone who believes. No matter who we are, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Didn't that just roll off of him pretty easy? Like Paul said, you know, we all have sinned. Like almost kind of casual, like, you know, we all have sinned. We all have sinned. He says, we all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins for God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his right For he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? Mm -mm, No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. I think that Paul has done, has done a brilliant job, and will continue to, of, of un, helping us to understand that we are, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is good news. Not, not, not running in and, and, and feeling confined, like, oh, you know, oh gosh, this Christianity, no, it's not, that's not Christianity, that's not, that's not the life of Christ. That's just religion, and it's confining. It's like a straitjacket, and it tells you all the things that you are not and what you should not do and don't and stop and quit. But if your nature is not changed, then all of that is is a ball and a chain, and it makes you feel like I'll never get there. I'll never be it. I can never do it. But once we begin to look at the perfect law of liberty, which comes through the word of God and an acknowledgement of this is who I am in Christ. This is what I can do in Christ. This is what I have in Christ. Then eventually, if we keep staring into the mirror long enough and see the image of Christ, will actually start going in the direction of our spirit, our real person. And that's all, that's really, that's why I believe fundamentally what's going on in our society today is a matter of righteousness and unrighteousness. And all I would say to my Christian brothers and sisters out there is open the door. Open the door of acceptance. Don't run from, don't run from, there is no condemnation in you. You don't have to walk in guilt or shame, but you do need to acknowledge that maybe there's something messed up in your brain. That's all. Because until you acknowledge it, it can never be cleansed. My wife goes around the house all the time acknowledging. Ah, oh, my goodness. Acknowledging. Acknowledging. She wakes up in the morning Acknowledging. George, but but listen, it will never be fixed until she until she acknowledges, until I acknowledge what she acknowledges, because she's acknowledging all the time, but guess what, the other day I fixed something, I think I fixed something, she, she ain't convinced of it yet, but I'm ready to go back home, you know, the, the, I'm I have to use some language. I, the gasket on the refrigerator, y'all know what the gasket is on the refrigerator? It's the seal on the outside. Well, sometimes it gets a little weak, I found out. And so sometimes you can you can either go out and change it all out altogether or you can, um, well, one of the things I tried was I took a, a hot air blower. <laughs> I took a hot air blower and I, and I said, well, they said that if, if, it's, if it's compressed and if you put that hot air blower and pull it out a little bit and, and it'll, it'll decompress. And, and so that didn't work quite well. So the next thing I did is I took the, the seal off completely and turned it around so it's on the opposite side. Now, now don't laugh at me yet because the verdict's still out on that one. But I believe, I believe it got colder and I believe it's working. And so if there's no condensation on the inside, when I get home today, I'm going to stick my hand at my wife and I'm going to say, acknowledge this. <laughs> I'm trying to save us from buying a refrigerator. All right. Anyway, are you getting it? Are y'all, y'all so we have to acknowledge things to change them. But we don't have to necessarily we can separate and distance ourselves from, from the thing. In other words, I didn't, I didn't feel condemned that my wife acknowledged something. I didn't feel any less because she said this thing is. I just feel like, okay, we need to fix it.
0: You've been listening to the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. Please visit us at our website at www.newdaycc. Com. Again, that's www.newdaycc.com. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please tell others. And if you ever get the opportunity, please come visit us at New Day Christian Church.